Hey everybody, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. This is Matt. And this is Brad. We are the pastors of Inspire Church in Westfield, Indiana. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening around here, be sure to subscribe to our text updates by texting the keyword INSPIRE. That's N-S-P-I-R-E to 317-451-4111. We hope the following message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. started a series called Rushed a couple weeks ago, and Brad kicked it off for us. And one of the things that we've quickly realized in this conversation is that it is very timely. Uh, We've had lots of feedback from people. Just one week into the series, we're like, oh my goodness. And I was thinking about it. Brad and I were talking this last week, or maybe it was a week ago. The time was kind of flying on us. Where he's like, sometimes it stinks to teach messages that you know or you're teaching to yourself. Because you feel that sense of just rush and, and hurry and your pace gets a little out of control. And, and so I want to recap because it has been thanks to our friend the squirrel that we may, you may have forgotten some of the stuff that uh, Brad said. <clears throat> and so a couple of weeks ago, Brad talked about how, you know, we need to create space to, uh, or actually we need to create space to set our pace. Basically, a way of saying is like, you need to press pause sometimes to think about the pace in which you are running at. And to, to, to create a pace that's way more sustainable because our pace is something that can make you feel very, very rushed. And Brad talked about the, the, the story of the scriptures where Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and the, the text tells us that following up with that, uh, in John six fifteen, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. There are all sorts of things that happen in our life that are outside of our control that can feel like a force that can push you or pull you or, or try to make you do something or, or drag you kicking and screaming into something that you know you're not ready for or you're not designed for. And Jesus sensed that and took time to withdraw. And we get that example from him. So this is this is like the baseline for our conversation as we've started this discussion on Rushed. And today as we go into this, I, I want to I like acknowledge something. I think that all of us in the room, if we're honest with ourselves, there's like a point in our lives where it's like the, the goal, right? Like the, a destination that you're hoping to get to. And for all of us, sometimes there might be like multiple things that make that goal the reality. I mean, it might not just be your career. It could include your financial status or paying off debt or, or completing school or uh, getting into a relationship or moving a relationship to the next step. I mean, there's a goal for us that we think that like, if we can get to that point, we've won. Like we've gotten to the end of, you know, where we're heading for and then we're shooting for. And as we get older, the goal always seems to stay out in front of us, doesn't it? Like we're always chasing something that if we're not careful, it can create this pace because we never feel like we're getting there. We're going to speed up. Maybe we can get there faster. And so we have to take time to list, if we will, a, a set of priorities, Things that are the, the, the important things in life. And Brad said, you know, we create space. One of the things that we, we create space to do is think about what are the things that are the most important in our lives. Like, if we're honest, we, you can think of things really quickly that you want to be important in your life, right? 
Like if you have a family, you can, your family's on there and you might have your faith community or your relationship with God is on that list. And maybe it's your kids and how you spend your time. Maybe there's a career aspiration on there that's a priority and you begin to rank those things and, and you have them in a little bit of an order. And, you know, things can get on that list and that we didn't ever plan for, can't they? You know, like last week, you know, things pop up on your list and you're, you're thinking to yourself, oh yeah, we're going to go to church. And then boom, a crazy squirrel messes things up. And you're like, oh, a week ago, we would never have thought that a squirrel could ruin church, right? Like that would have never would have been on your radar. Like things like that can pop up and you just have no clue or storms. Uh, I'm a big Purdue fan. I talk about Purdue. I have two colleges that I root for pretty regularly, Purdue and the University of Tennessee Volunteers. This last week, Purdue's game got bumped up two hours because there was a storm. No one even knew about it. And they were just like, hey, we got to change this. We got to uh, adjust our, our order of you know, scheduling to make sure we can get this game in and get fans to the game. And you know, there, there's all sorts of things that can pop up that you weren't anticipating that can adjust your schedule and even change your pace. But we all know that the important things are important, and we want to make time for those things that are important for us. So we have to take time to order our schedule and our life to make sure that we're living in accord with those priorities. You see, there's also, though you may have a destination that you're shooting for, there's also this spot where you are right now. And I'm going to guess that this place you are now and the the destination you're shooting for, there's a large gap. And if we're honest with ourselves, uh, the way we think about where we are and where we're going, those things change the way we order our priorities and the way we shape our pace. And if we are dreaming and we're thinking if everything were to go perfectly, my path from where I am to where I'm going to be would look like this, just a straight line. But in reality, no one's life ever looks just like that, does it? Like there's always a speed bump. There's always something that jumps in the way. There's always something that that messes with the pace or is a detour and gets in the way. And you you find yourself getting frustrated. And and today we're going to, I want to talk about There's two ways in which we can pursue living this life. And there's there's a way in which you can live that is like being pressured. And you can feel the sense of pressure. That's that's like a force that gets put on you. Where you you feel the sense of pressure that I have to accomplish these things. And and I'm going to get to where I'm going. And there's going to be, I'm I'm going after my goals. And if you're a type A personality, like you're like, there's ways I'm going to do it. And no one's going to mess my plan. And you just go after it, right? And that pressured kind of lifestyle has a way of affecting your pace. You know, this is the pace uh, that we feel like we should live at all the time. You know, like should is a, a word that shapes the way we live. And, you know, some of us, you know, either we have so many priorities or we feel like others have some priorities for us that make us feel a sense of pressure because they have a list of things that were the, you know, culture has a way of putting things out there as to what your life should look like, which adds to the pressure. And it makes us live faster and faster, and faster, and it causes us to feel very rushed. Because that pressure can make you feel like, I got to get there, I got to get doing, I got to, there's more I should be doing, there's more I should be doing. 
Now, I, I know we don't say this very often in church because we're kind of a quiet church, but if you feel like anything I said resonates with you, can I just get a little amen? Like, amen? amen. Right? Like, I'm going to guess everybody in the room's like, I've felt that. I have felt that force that comes after me and like rushed. What we're talking about is feeling rushed. Rush is not, it, it's not a, uh, a pace. It's a force. It's this force that wants to push you into something. It's a force that makes you feel like you're not measuring up and you're missing out. It hurries us. It pressures us. And then sometimes it can even overwhelm us. And there are more things that are important to us sometimes in our lives than there is time to do them. And you either try to figure out ways to get them all done or you try to add more hours to your uh, clock. Anybody see that new commercial where there's this guy, the one company that made the 12 on the clock a 15? Like we added three hours to our work day. And the guy's like, I don't think that's how time works. Like this is just a, this is just a reality in our culture. And the question I have is like, there are two ways in which we can live. And there's a little bit of a spoiler on the screen there. Like you can feel pressured and you can live at that pace or perhaps there's a way in which you can reshape the way you think and you can live at the pace that you were designed to live. Like to forsake this one way and to begin to embrace a new way of living. And this is something, to be quite honest, like there are some conversations within like humanity that I feel like you almost have to revisit them on the regular. Because we, you get going, you remember something, and then you get off course. It's like a budget, right? You set the budget, you do really well for a minute, and then, well, uh, you got to remind yourself. You got to get back on course. Like, what if, like, seriously, what if as a community, as a culture, people stopped living at the pace they feel pressured, and they started to choose to live at the pace they were designed to live? You see, we can rush our way towards our destination. And here's the thing. When you get there, you'll be miserable. Because the, the way you got there, it cost you so much to get there. The pressure that you lived at, it, you can't even enjoy it because you got, it, was, it was a terrible journey for you. You see, one of the things that I think is a way of knowing whether or not you are uh, someone who's living in the pressured kind of pace is if you find yourself ever calculating how to be faster. You feel that pressure to achieve more. And you have this list of priorities, like a, a laundry list of things that you've made that are, these are my priorities, and there's my faith and my family. You know, there's things we've already listed. And then what happens is, is you, you put those things up, and it dictates how you think about your time. And these two things, your priorities and your pace, dictates how rushed you really feel. And so what you find yourself doing, you start trying to calculate ways to achieve more, to get there faster, shortcuts. And that's the thing that can, uh, overall, it can start making you feel like you're living just in that pressured state. Well, I don't believe we were designed to live at that pace. And here at Inspire, we believe that Jesus comes to speak about life 
When he says that he comes to give us life and life to the full, that's not just like, oh, well, there's your church attendance and your religious life. Like, no, Jesus believes that he taught regularly that we are integrated beings. So you don't have like a spiritual life and a physical life and a, you know, an emotional life. Like you're one being. It's all together. You've probably realized that already, right? If you're disjointed emotionally, it affects you physically. And so Jesus wants you to have life and life to the full. And so he starts to speak and start to teach these things. And there was this one passage, I'm sure if you grew up in church, you've heard it. If you're new to church, this is like a backbone passage that lots of times people will read and they'll talk about. Uh, And I think you can miss some of the, the depth of the passage. And it's in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Like, doesn't that just sound glorious? Like, oh, rest. I remember those days. Like, you you look, rest always is in the rearview mirror, isn't it? It's never in the future. And you thought you were more restful back in the past. Like, oh, I remember when I was in college. Uh, but when you're in college, you feel stressed and overwhelmed, don't you? You know, I remember when I was in high school. Oh, I remember before I had kids and I could sleep in on Saturday. And my kids didn't wake me up at 5.30 and never go back to sleep. That happened this morning. I'm not bitter about it. <laughs> a, a full confession this morning. I had like this moment of like, uh, I, I was like about to snap this morning. I don't do well on a little sleep because it takes a lot of sleep to look this good. And, uh, and so I had like this moment where my son, our power was going off and on in the house this morning. And uh, we have, I thought they were beautiful, like those smart light bulbs that you can just talk and lights go off. And they're cool, except for when the power goes out, when the power comes back on, all the lights are on. And so that woke my kids up, and then my kids were like awake at 5.15, and I have a son that thinks that he needs to talk all the time when I'm sleeping. Again, I'm not bitter about it. Uh, I loved him downstairs with a loud voice that sounded like anger. <laughs> I was like, son, get out of this room right now. You know, like, you, you, you think about all the different things that are, you know, your priorities. Like, my family's a high priority. And then when you find yourself under stress, it can get really sacrificed fast, can't it? Like, we don't even say amen, but I see your head nodding. <laughs> Could you imagine if you had rest? Like, just real rest. And I'm not just talking about sleep, although it could be sleep, because I remember the days when I could sleep in on Saturdays. But Jesus says he wants to give us rest. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Now, I was, I meant to get a picture of a yoke, but maybe you've seen one of these. It's like the, the, the wood thing that they would put over oxen's shoulders, you know, back in the day before farm equipment took off and John Deere took over the world, you know, like where, you know, you'd have a, a space for two oxen and their heads together and they would work together. They would pull together. And one of the things that's great about a yoke is in, in this image that, that Jesus gives us, it's about cooperative work. And this is where you learn from the person next to you. You stay, you have to kind of keep a consistent pace. Otherwise, you won't be as productive as you could be. It's as if Jesus is saying, like, let's do this thing called life together. And as you walk with him, you learn from him. And you can't really get 
ahead of him because it doesn't work very well that way. And honestly, sometimes it's even more difficult to fall behind because he keeps you in pace. He says, come, take my yoke upon you and I'll give you rest. And as you do so, it will adjust your pace. He continues on, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says he's gentle and humble and he'll give us rest. Like, you read the passage and like it's obvious, like, okay, well, that sounds really glorious. But like, if you're really honest with yourselves, like some of us might even ask the question, really, we live in such a way where we're, we ask this question where it's like, why would we really be burdened or worried or weary? I got this. Like we live in that way. We don't always need help. I got this. I'll take care of this. I was raised in a home where we had, like, my dad would say stuff to us, like, you're a gayler boy. Get this together. You know, and I started teaching that to my kids, uh, which has got its pros and its cons. You know, like, when my son's trying to give up on something, like, son, you don't give up. You're a gayler. But there, there's other times when it's like, that can be negative. Like, it pushes people to kind of feel like they need to achieve, and it adds to that pressure. It maybe shapes us to run at a pace that maybe is not exactly the way we were designed to live. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Allow me to share the burden and let's do this together. Learn from me and I'll, I'll teach you how to have rest. Just slow down, learn from me. And I'll teach you the way you were designed to live. Now, here's something that's quite interesting to me. I heard this said from another pastor, and I had to chew on it for a little bit. I was like, no, he's actually right. Like, rest is not a function of time. It's actually a result of relationship. I'll say that again so you can think about it too. Like, rest is not a function of time. It's a result from a relationship. And what I mean by that is like this. Like, hear me out. You know, we make time to rest, but then we don't rest during that time. Can I get an amen? Like you, he's like, I'm going to go to the beach. We're going to go on vacation. I'm going to lay out the towel. Like I'm going to have an adult beverage. There will be country music playing in my ear. It's going to be glorious, right? And I'm going to just rest. And you lay there in the sun and all your glory for everyone to see. And you don't rest at all. All you do is you think about all the stuff that's piling up while you're gone. And you're like, oh my goodness, that, like there's, vacations are like a blessing and a curse, right? Like you either work your tail off to get ready for vacation, and then when you get there, you're so like wiped out and worried about all the work that you did, or you press pause and you think about all the work you should do or you should have done before you left, and you never rest, Rest is not a function of time. It really isn't. It's a matter of a relationship. And what I mean by that is, is when Jesus says, come to me, let's start this relationship. Let's do this together. Let's, let's walk at a pace together. And what you find is if you, you take his yoke upon you, it shapes the way you think about your pace and your time. And you actually can find rest right in the middle of all of the chaos which is crazy, right? Like we know the, the illustration of like the storm, you know, in the center of the storm, there's actually calm. 
Like you can be in the middle of all the chaos, things swirling all around you, but rest right there in the center of it. And it's as if that's the image that Jesus is wanting to communicate to us. Like you can be running at a crazy pace, but let me teach you something. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Come learn from me. And I'll teach you how to do this. I'll teach you to live at the pace you were designed to live. You know, rest is really not about time. It's about trust. Now, there's a guy named Eugene Peterson who actually just passed away this past year. Uh, He took the scriptures and did like a paraphrase translation. And it's called The Message. And I use it, I'll read it from time to time. Sometimes, because let's be real, when you do what I do, like you can read the, the Bible so much that like every once in a while, you're just like, I've, I've heard it before. And to get a little bit of a different perspective, somebody else read something, heard something different. So he translates this passage just a little bit differently. And he, he uh, in the message version, this is how he says it. And he says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Like, like, I think of him like saying this, like, are you tired of trying to get it perfect? Like, have you been wrestling with this faith thing to try to get it nailed down so you got it perfect? Like, this is one of the things that uh, we talked about, like, in, in my church growing up, like, perfection seemed to be the thing, like, you had to be holy. And there's, I agree with that. But that became such the pursuit that you lost relationship your rules got to be so caught up to keeping the rules and winning and doing the right things and earning the approval of your Father in heaven that you actually lost relationship. That's one of the tricks about parenting, right? Like you have to have rules for your kids. Otherwise, let's be real, it doesn't go very well. And I believe you have to discipline your kids because if you refuse to discipline your kids, someone's going to do it for you. It's going to be a teacher or a coach or hopefully not a police officer. Right? Like you have to discipline your kids. The rules are important. But if we're not careful, we can overstress those rules to the degree where our kids will actually like not want anything to do with us. And it kills relationships. Rela- rules are put in place to, so that we can establish relationship. So relationships aren't broken. That's why we have agreements with our spouses and we understand our spouse. We know what hurts them. We know what boundaries we need to have in place. Like if we're not careful, religion can have such a degree of, of uh, pace and stress and achieving that it can actually lose the relationship in the process. Jesus says, hey, are you tired of that? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And this is my favorite part. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's what we were designed for. And doesn't this like feel good? Uh, Brad, in week one of this, he talked about like create some space to take a, you know, to think about your pace. And then he also just said, create, like take, try to do one minute of just doing nothing. Anybody remember that? Did anybody in here do that? Yeah, we're really good at it, aren't we? Like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I tried it. We have this leather recliner thing in my bedroom that I lay in when my wife wants to watch TV at night. I can't watch TV in bed. That's just personal stuff for me. Way too much information. Uh, anyway, so I sit in this chair in our room, 
And uh, so I, on my Apple Watch, I've got this thing. I've never used it. But it's like you're supposed to be able to like take like the design to help you breathe and relax, relax and whatever. And I, that's how much I valued it, right? So I thought I'm gonna try this. So I put it on and I, I thought, okay, I'm gonna try just rest. And it, what it does is like it has some like a vibration when you're supposed to breathe in and then it, like you're supposed to breathe out. And I was like, oh, whatever, this is silly. So I did it uh, for the first minute. I was like, oh, that was nice. I'm gonna do it again. So I did it for a second time. And I fell asleep. Like, dear goodness, like this idea of learning the unforced rhythms of grace is so foreign to some of us physiologically that even when we begin to experience it, you realize how tired you are. Like you've just running at a clip that you couldn't even sustain, and as soon as you press pause, you just go to sleep because you need it. He continues on, he says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Or another way of saying it is pressure-free. To live freely, we need to live in the unforced rhythms of grace. And man, I'll tell you what, that it feels good, it even sounds good, but honestly, what does that even mean? Like, you ever run into words, you're like, oh, that sounds really poetic. What does that mean? So sometimes when I think about, like, what does that mean? It's easier for me to think about the opposite or what would it look like not to do that. So, like, you know, what are the, the opposite of unforced rhythms? Well, the opposite of unforced would be forced, right? And uh, the, what's the opposite of rhythm? And think about this for a minute. Like, what's the opposite of rhythm? Like, rhythm, like, rhythm is actually defined by its rest, like, if you were to think about, like, a, a, something that doesn't have rhythm, uh, anybody, ever, did anybody in here grow up liking Dumb and Dumber? Dumb and Dumber, the hands will go up for that. It won't go up for, I, I took a break for a minute, but <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, yes. Two hands go up, right? That was one of my favorite movies as a kid. You guys remember the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> it's like your alarm clock, right? Like, something without rhythm is a continuous tone, but rhythm is defined with its rest. No, it's still annoying, right? Now, now think about this. Put that within the sound of a musical instrument. If you were to hold one note and just hold it, sustain it, after a while you'd be like, please stop. But you put the note with a little bit of rest and it starts to have a rhythm. The opposite of rhythm is continuous. If you want to have rhythm, you have to find rest. It has a beat. It has a cadence. The world was actually created, and then there was the seventh day, and it was rest. God took rest, a break. Most early scholars believed that even the, the, the first chapter of Genesis was written with a cadence and a beat. In itself, it was even communicating. There's a rhythm. There's an order. There's a pace, a meter. When you are not living in rhythm, you are living under this constant force of proving yourself or pleasing others. And if what Jesus is saying is true, and we want to take that seriously, or if, if we come to him and he will give us rest, maybe it's time that we should seriously consider prioritizing our relationship with him. 
Like maybe that should be something, like that should be the thing that, that shapes our priority list. Because if we do that, it will actually affect our pace and the way we experience pressure. Like maybe we should stop using God to get to there. And we should prioritize our relationship with him. Not because we're trying to get something from him or out of the relationship. See, I don't believe God is as driven as you and I are to get us to that destination in the shortest amount of time possible. Like sometimes we think about, oh, we got to get there quickly. But perhaps his path looks a little bit more like this, where it's a winding road. It has some twists and it has some turns, some adjustments, course corrections. I went to Montana a couple months ago and uh, one of the things that was crazy to me is like they would drive around the mountains and the wides were, the roads were really windy and you'd drive through these valleys and you'd think, oh yeah, we're just going to drive over there and it'd take you like two hours to get to the other side of the valley because it was just so big. But then you'd drive around these mountains and like the whole time you're driving, it's taking you hours, but as you're doing it, you don't realize how long it really is taking you because there's always something new to enjoy. Like you turn the corner, and I, I wish I had like a dollar for every time we said, oh my goodness, look at that. Like it's so beautiful. And you turn the next corner, and there'd be something else to enjoy, something else to see. And what you realize is like time just totally changed for you because you're enjoying the journey. You're enjoying the trip. I think that our relationship with Christ is we have yoked ourselves to him, it adjusts the way we think about the journey itself. And so perhaps the real question for us is where do we think life is really found? You've seen the posters, right? Like, you know, sometimes we think that life is found in getting to the destination, but no, no, the journey is where life is really found. The journey, the process of getting there, that's where we really experience life. It's not just in the arrival, but it's in the relationship that we have and we build along the way. See, we can continue to run the speed of expectations and continue to feel that pressure from other people and feel like you always have to please someone else or match up with that list of things that you feel like everybody else is putting on you. Or you can adjust and you can walk at the speed of trust. And trust that God is with you and that he's there with you and he's teaching you and he's directing your path. And that he's giving you life. I've heard it said that, you know, people ask, well, like, what's the speed of God? Not Like most times we think about God and they're like, oh man, he's like this as fast as light, you know, or the speed of God is like, but one guy said that the speed of God is actually about three and a half miles per hour, about the rate a man can walk. It's the speed that we can walk because he's with us. He's the one that's setting our pace. And the key to all this is to learn. You know, you're going to try things and you're going to learn from them. Like oftentimes we want to try things and we want to be experts at it the first time. 
I told a story a while back about my son, Bronx. He just turned five, and this summer we would like do the baseball, like an underhand pitch to him. And uh, uh, I know some of you have already heard this story, but I think it's a perfect illustration. Bronx, uh, I would throw a ball to him, and he'd swing and miss, and he'd get so ticked because he's a perfectionist. And he'd like want to quit. I'm done with this. I'm like, son, you're four years old at the time. Like, you're four years old. You're not going to be an expert at hitting the ball the first time you try. To the degree that, like, he, my brother came over, and I was showing, we were in the backyard, and I was like, Bronx, let's show Uncle Josh how you can hit. And he, you know, he swung and he missed, and he swung and he missed, and he got ticked, because he's a gayler. <laughs> and uh, my brother picks up the bat. He's like, here, Bronx, I'll show you. And I looked at my brother, I made direct eye contact with him. I said, you're going to miss the first three. <laughs> Don't you dare hit that ball the first time. <laughs> and my brother, who's taller than me, he's like 6'6". Six, six, He's got this like t-ball bat that looks like a toothpick in his hands. He's standing up there. And I throw the ball to him and he swings, you know, and misses. He's like, see, Bronx, even I miss, you know, like trying to teach like what is in our heads that makes us think the first time you try something that you're going to do it and hit it out of the park. Like what, what makes us think the first time you try that thing at your workplace, the first time you try to implement your budget, the first time you try that diet, Like, what on earth makes us think that we're going to nail it the first time? Jesus says, no, come, come, just learn from me. He doesn't say, come and be perfect. He doesn't say, come and you'll get it all right. No, no, he says, just come learn from me. And we'll learn together. I'll teach you. I'll teach you. See, this is why, like, mentoring is so powerful. Like, you partner, you walk with someone else. They teach us along the way. Like, I have some fantastic mentors in my life. And unfortunately, sometimes we think about mentoring within, like, this transactional way. Like, I have a mentor so I can get something from them. But really, the life is found in the relationships that you have with those people. And you walk alongside them. Remember the story of Mary and Martha, you know? Uh... I think it was Mary who was sitting at the feet of Jesus and Martha's got her list of things that she's running around trying to get taken care of and she's mad at Mary because Mary's just sitting at the feet of Jesus and Jesus tells her like the New Revised Gaylor version, chill out. Like relax a minute. You know, and Martha's like, I can't believe you're just sitting there doing nothing. Like she has a list of priorities of things that need to get done to make it perfect. Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Chill out, just come be with me. Some of us, we think, oh, I don't have time to slow down. And I haven't had time to read my Bible. I haven't had time to like try to invest in a relationship with God. And I'm just going to tell you that if you are too busy to spend time with God, you are busier than he intends you to be. You know, what's keeping you from God's will? You know, like that destination that you have out in your head. You know, we have all these little obstacles like reasons that we think are keeping us from getting there. Like you have a list of them. We do. And if you're honest with yourself, uh, maybe you're like, I don't have a list of things that are keeping me from getting where God wants me to be, keeping me from being effective. Well, we do. Like it's like, man, if my kids weren't so young, I could do more. If we weren't, you know, if I was in a different job or I made more money or if I was in that relationship or if this is a really bad one, but like if that was my spouse or if that was my husband or whatever, or if they did this, or, you know, there's all these different things that you think are keeping you from getting to where God wants you. 
And maybe it's time we identify what those obstacles are. And if you're blaming anyone or anything for keeping you from where you want to be, then maybe it's time to be honest about that. Here's something that's interesting. Hiding and blaming were the first symptoms of the fall. It was the first symptoms that something was going wrong. And perhaps if we would reshape the way we think and moving out of the pressured category of life and into the designed category of life or the designed pace, you'd start rethinking of those obstacles and they'd stop being obstacles, but they're now opportunities to trust and allow God to work through them. I want to wrap up with this story. Um, when Bronx was like two, poor kid's getting like so many illustrations today. He was like two. We had one of those little plastic slides that we would put in the house. You guys know, remember one of those little things? If you have young kids, you know what I'm talking about. It was like, that, like three steps and he would slide down on it. And this thing like became his like thing. And like my, my son was bow-legged when he was little. And so he'd be standing on top of that slide with his legs out and he'd look at you and you're like, oh, goodness, please don't fall or you'll kill yourself, you know? And when he was young, he was like a daredevil. And uh, so he kept, he wanted to do the slide and do the slide and do the slide. And, and there was one day, it was my day off. I thought, you know what, today we're going to go to the park and I'm going to take him to a real slide. I'm like, this is going to be a blast. But he was on the slide before we left. And like, I scoop him up, take him from the, the little slide in the house and we go out to the truck. I mean, he is throwing a fit. Like, he is not happy about it. And like to the degree where I was like, maybe I'm not taking you to the park, you know? I was like, no, he's going to experience this thing. And so I like, I, he's kicking and screaming the entire time. And of course, then I put him in the car seat facing backwards, you know, so he can't see anything. And he's throwing a royal fit all the way to the park. And I was like, seriously having this thought, like, man, alive, is this kid, like, maybe, maybe this is a terrible idea. And I get him out and I like carry him and he's like still throwing a fit all the way there, and I get him to the slide, and he sees this big slide. And it was like suddenly he realized that I had something great in store for him. But the whole way there, he was, he was losing it, kicking and screaming. And I thought about this. like He missed the opportunity the whole way there to trust like, if relationship, like, I know he is two, so, you know, or three or whatever he was. Like, but, like, think about it in your life. Like, how often are we kicking and screaming the whole journey and you're missing an opportunity to just trust that perhaps there's something great for me? I'm just going to trust. We're going someplace. I'm just going to trust. And Psalms 86, 11 says, Teach me your way, Lord, that I may. And there's like, I put a blank there. Like for us, we're like, if you were to complete that, maybe you'd say something like that I may do more for you. Or teach me your way, Lord, that I may get there the fastest. But no, the text continues on that I may rely on your faithfulness. So perhaps it's time that we stop sacrificing trust on the altar of our demands and if we learn to live the speed of trust, maybe, just maybe, it'll reshape the way we feel and we'll feel less 
rushed. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for what I believe is the truth and the invitation that Jesus gives us that we could yoke ourselves to Christ and that it shapes the way we think about our pace and even the way we approach the, the goal, the destination, our hopes, dreams, and aspirations. And Lord, uh, today as we press pause, Lord, may we be people who trust you. And Lord, when we aren't even sure if we've got it in us to trust me, you remind us that you are trustworthy. And Lord, if we're honest with ourselves, up to this point in our lives, you have already proven you're trustworthy. So may we live at the speed of trust. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Westfield area, we'd love to see you at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions and more information about our services and family ministries, check out our Facebook page or visit us online at www.inspire.church.